0: Would you pray with me? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the gift of your grace. That You have saved us that while we were far apart, separated by a chasm of sin, Lord, that you ran to us. May we receive that unconditional love today. May whatever we brought in with us that's weighing us down, whether it's regrets or sin or shame, That we would lay it on the floor lord literally just let go of it at your feet and trust that your grace is sufficient lord and today lord i pray as we continue to think about and talk about the bittersweet in life i pray that you would speak to us through your scriptures and through your spirit and to that end i pray you would pour upon me the gift of preaching that my very frail and broken and human words might by the power of your Holy Spirit, become your living word, uniquely crafted for each and every one of our hearts. We pray it with great confidence, for we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we are in the third of five sermons on Susan Cain's best-selling book, Bittersweet. We're continuing to talk about how pain and sorrow and longing rather than being something to avoid at all cost which is i think the human natural desire is actually what it is actually something that can make us whole along these lines susan poses the question in her book how are we supposed to live knowing that we and everyone we love will die This is quite a profound question, and it really is. Even though right now I've just thrown it right in front of you, it's in the back of your mind a lot, actually. Right? This is part of life. It's an important question, and it's a question that God certainly intends for all humans to ponder since we are all subject to death. Yet, if we're honest, it's a question many of us spend years... ...and decades of our lives trying to avoid. Of course, avoiding only makes things worse, at least ultimately. Maybe it works for a while. True. Avoiding works in the present. It's just eventually it's going to catch up. Susan's bittersweet answer to this question involves incorporating our mortality... ...rather than running from it. And life presents moments, doesn't it, that quite naturally allow us to consider our mortality... And to begin to learn how to actually integrate it. In so doing, we come to learn the freedom found in embracing the bittersweet experience of joy and sorrow that life contains. Susan describes these opportunities as poignant moments. She quotes Dr. uh, Laura Karstensen's definition. Poignancy is the richest feeling humans experience, one that gives meaning to life. I really want you to hold this thought as we go through the sermon today. The richest feelings humans experience, one that gives meaning to life, and it happens when you feel happy and sad at the same time. It's the state you enter when you cry tears of joy, which tend to come during precious moments suffused with their imminent ending. Today's scripture creates that sense of poignancy for me, right? This sense of two emotions or feelings or experiences being simultaneously present in life. For everything there is a season, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance. As counterintuitive as it sounds, Dr. Karstensen is saying that learning to embrace this, that birth, death, crying, laughter, grieving, dancing are innate to life, allows us to experience the richest feelings humans experience and allow us to bring meaning to our life. And so I want you just to think for a moment what she's suggesting is if you avoid this, guess what you're avoiding? You're avoiding some of the richest feelings in life and the opportunity to bring meaning to your life. And so that fear, sometimes that's present, because we don't mind the joy so much, it's the foreboding part, right? It's the part where we wonder what's going to happen next. But yet, we have to learn to overcome that. Sometimes, the easiest way to discover such feelings is vicariously. I recently finished the final season of The Crown, and in the last three minutes of the series, they create a strong sense of poignancy. Without giving too much away, the final scene of the series involves Queen Elizabeth standing in the chancel of St. George's Chapel at Windsor, and she's visualizing her future funeral, standing before her own coffin While in the background, we hear the bagpiper playing the Gaelic lament, sleep, dearie, sleep. Here, obviously, is the sadness. But there is also joy in the scene as the queen is remembering herself at earlier stages in life. From World War II to the 50s to the 70s or 80s, whatever. And she remembers her younger self. And so it's a moment filled with poignancy, with happiness and sadness. And when you watch it, it brings up thoughts, at least it did for me, of my own mortality and memories that I too feel a strong sense of poignancy as the scene unfolds. And when I feel that, it is a rich feeling. It's also difficult, right? But it is really a rich feeling and a meaningful experience to think about what's most important in life. Because I think, isn't that what poignancy is at its best? It's, it's moments where we kind of realize, wow, this is one of those moments that's so important in my life. I remember sitting with my grandfather, listening to him tell stories in his younger days. This is my mom's dad. Daddy George is what we called him. And even while we laughed, at the stories he told, because he told some great stories, like stuffing a bunch of newspaper in the 1920s into one of the cannons on, in Austin that stood in one of the big buildings and firing it off in the middle of the night, shattering windows for over a mile, he didn't thought. You laugh, right? There are these moments. But I remember thinking at the same time, while I was sitting there listening, that time was short. That he wouldn't be with us too much longer. And for me, such moments, as melancholic as they can be, are moments filled with richness and meaning. Appreciation of the moment that God has given us. Dr. Carstensen adds, when we tear up at that beloved child splashing in a rain puddle, we aren't simply happy. We also, we're also appreciating, even if it's not explicit, that this time of life will end. That good times pass as well as bad ones. That we're all going to die in the end. I think that being comfortable with this, and I think this is what I'm trying to get at and what I think God wants us to get at in this life... Being comfortable with this is adaptive. That's emotional development. I think God wants us as Christians to be able to lean into these moments. Because there are so many people that are scared to death of these moments. And God wants us to be a witness about life and death. About grief and dancing. Right? He wants us, our faith, to be such... That we can be a witness to people. To let them know the good news that there is hope even in the face of such things. In the book, Susan tells the story of discovering an opportunity to help her children understand poignancy. She says, we rented this house in the countryside when my children were little and it was right next to this field inhabited by two donkeys. And the kids made friends with these donkeys, and they spent the whole week bringing them apples and carrots. And the donkeys, of course, would come to the fence the minute they got there, and it was this beautiful romance. And then, two days before it's time to leave, not the day of, not five minutes of, this is where it happens, right? You're in the joy, and yet you see the end. And so, two days before it's time to leave, the kids start crying. They start crying themselves to sleep at night because they know that they have to say goodbye to the donkeys. Of course, she says, we try to make them feel better, saying, maybe we'll come back. Or other people will come and take care of the donkeys, too. Yet, in the end, the only thing that consoled them was when we said that the pain of goodbye is part of life. That everyone feels it that they would feel it again this would seem a depressing reminder but it had the opposite effect that's when they stopped crying in the west when children grieve a loss they're crying in part susan writes because we've unwittingly taught them a delusion That things are supposed to be whole on this earth in this life. That real life is when things are going well. That disappointment, illness, and flies at the picnic are detours from the main road. In the end, such news of transience comes to children as well as to adults as a relief. As the end of the gaslighting, the sorrow they see on the glorious horizon is real. They are not alone in preceding it. How do you feel when you consider Susan's reasoning? For me, as soon as I hear it, my heart resonates with her idea about delusion. I really feel that. I'm like, yes, that is true in my life. Our culture certainly teaches this delusion. And our own temptation is so strong to want to believe that we do not have to face the reality of pain, sorrow, and death in our life and in the world. We just want to deny it, right? To rationalize it away. Yet, we must face it. We have to. For we and everyone we love will one day die. And and I've had to face it. And I've experienced the relief Susan mentions, the sense That as difficult as it is, it's so good to finally know and accept that there truly is a time to be born and a time to die. A time to cry and a time to laugh. A time to grieve and a time to dance. This is the main road. It's not a detour. Regarding this, Susan writes, And there it is again, the oldest problem. The deepest dream. The pain of separation. The desire for reunion. That's the nub of human heartache and desire. We all experience the pain of separation. There's a part of us that knows that we know that we were not meant to be separated by death from those we love. As irrational as that sounds in a scientific world, right? There is a part of us... That knows that when someone dies that we were not meant to be separated from them. We feel that. And related to this is the desire, the longing for reunion. This is where God makes even death beautiful in its own time. Right? That we have this longing for reunion and more that scripture provides A story that says there will be a reunion and a home that we're going to to return home again to the place where we are reunited with those we love who've gone before. A place where we no longer have poignant moments for truly then it's only joy. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears, no more death. And that's God's promise in scripture. That there is a home, a new heaven, and a new earth that awaits our arrival. And when we engage our faith and believe this promise of God, it gives us the hope we need to actually look forward to poignant moments. Do you see what I mean? It's when we have the whole thing, the whole picture in place, that we can begin to find hope in this life, even in the midst of sadness and struggle and sorrow and death right? Because we know where and how the story ends. And so it allows us to accept that happiness and sadness, joy and sorrow, life and death, are all an intended part of God's plan for our lives. And so today we're going to respond to this promise. I want Think about it. Do you believe that promise that we're going to return home? Do you believe that we'll be reunited with those who've gone before us because of the grace of our God and the forgiveness and mercy that he gives us? What a profound hope. What a profound hope in a world that is filled with poignancy. May it help us embrace, may our faith, Help us embrace those moments and lean into them so that we can experience that richness and that meaning that it can bring to our lives. And so today, I want you, I'm asking us to respond to God in worship. If you believe it to be true, then respond with your heart and worship God, sing these words to him. As we sing today, we're staying. And I told you we would. We're going to keep with the chorus of when I need to get home. You're adding light today. We're going to add a different verse in. You've sung this before, back before Advent. And it's a song called history that starts it off. And I think you'll remember it as you hear it. doesn't look away This is who you from every season, this is who you are, we say thank you, we say thank you, we say thank you you for all you've done and all you do, we say thank you, we say thank you. All you've done and all you do, because when I need to get home, you're my guiding light. You're my guiding light. Sounds great. Sing it out. That there is a home that we are going to. There is no more death and no more pain and no more sorrow. And so, Lord, may that faith, may that truth of the gospel of the grace of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us, may it give us hope as we live into a world that's filled with pain and sorrow and death. May we rejoice knowing, Lord, that you are with us and we can lean into those poignant moments and experience with freedom the richness of life and the meaning that it provides. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.